0: Hey everyone, Uh, my name is Thomas, I'm the campus minister here with RUF if I haven't met you yet. Um, But like I say every week at RUF, at RUF we believe that you're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and at the same time you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Uh, And what that means is that God's kindness to us in Jesus is the most important thing uh, that you need to know. Uh, during your four years in college, and for your entire life. Uh, And that's what RUF is all about. Uh, Every week at RUF, we're going to sing songs about Jesus. Uh, You're going to hear a message from the Bible about Jesus, um, because we need to know God's grace. And every semester in RUF, we go through a sermon series. And so um, Joel just read from Matthew 6 for us in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, So the Sermon on the Mount is from Matthew 5 through 7. It's kind of Jesus' most popular sermon Uh, A lot of common sayings that we have come from the Sermon on the Mount. That's how kind of integrated it is into our imagination, specifically in the West. Um, So it's Jesus' most popular sermon. But what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he is showing us what it means to live the good life. He's showing us what it means to follow him in a world that often doesn't feel very good. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and we can get started. So let's pray together. Our Father, we do thank you uh, for your word. Uh, We thank you that you have uh, spoken, uh, and I do pray that you would help us to see uh, what it is that you have for us tonight. Uh, I don't know what everyone's bringing into the room. I know uh, kind of coming back from fall break can be a bit of a a rude awakening. Um, So Lord, I pray that you would give us what it is that we need um, through your word tonight. Uh, All of these things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, since it is October, uh, which is, I think, one of the best months of the year, uh, and also spooky season, uh, I have been watching the Harry Potter movies. Uh, To be fair, you could say that I am watching them at all times. Um, I'm kind of always in a constant Harry Potter movie marathon. Uh, But one of my favorite characters in Harry Potter uh, is in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, the famous defense against the dark arts teacher Gilderoy Lockhart. Uh, and he is, uh, he's a really interesting character. So he is um, kind of this, this beautiful man, this great smile, uh, who's very into himself. Uh, he likes to remind people that he is the five time winner of Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile. Uh, he is a prolific author of books that's detailing all sorts of interactions that he's had with all of these dark, magical creatures. But if you've seen the movie or read the book, uh, you know the joke throughout the movie, the joke throughout the story is that he's a fraud. He's like a total fraud. He can't perform even like simple charms. Uh, There's cracks in many of his stories. And this kind of all comes to a head at one point in the story when he admits to Harry and to Ron Uh, That all of his magical exploits were just stories from other wizards that he's stolen. And in fact, the only thing that he can do, he's really good at memory charms. He's really good at erasing people's memories. So he would just take their stories, claim them as his own, and put them in books so that he became this really famous guy. Uh, So he is like a bad guy. (laughs) He's a bad guy. And yet when you watch, you can't help but like him. Like, you can't help but kind of at least find him harmless on some level. Uh, and I think even though he's a fraud, it's kind of hard to dislike him. It's not hard to relate to him. Or maybe another example of, of this sort of thing, uh, Kelly Kapoor from The Office, uh, they're doing kind of their New Year's resolutions, and her New Year's resolution is get more attention by any means necessary, <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's narcissism, but it's funny, and it's kind of relatable on some level. Uh, I think the reason why these characters feel so relatable is because we recognize a similar desire in ourselves. Uh, We may not be a total fraud like Lockhart or a self-obsessed person like Kelly from The Office, but we all desperately long to be seen. We all desperately long for people to look at us and to like what they see. It's why we spend so much time uh, crafting our social media presence like making sure that we have the, you know, the perfect angle, the perfect caption. Or maybe conversely, it's why we try to make it look like we don't spend that much time crafting our social media presence, like having the perfect ironic caption, pretending like, well, I'm just kind of over this whole Instagram thing. Or maybe it's even deeper. It's why we purposefully don't have Instagram and we like tell people that all the time. Like, oh yeah, I'm not on Instagram. Or it's why, it's why we spend so much time looking in the mirror every day. Everybody does it. It's why we exaggerate the details of a story, because we know that it's funnier if we embellish things a little bit. It's why we spend so much time on schoolwork, because we want to be seen as someone who is good, someone who is accomplished. See, in our passage tonight, Jesus is speaking directly to this longing that we have, this longing to be seen, this longing for someone to look at you and to like what they see. Uh, and he kind of hits this right away at the beginning of the passage. In six one, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Uh, and Jesus, in this passage, is going to address kind of this question of how can we be seen? How can we be seen? It's something that we all long for. How can we do it? So in our passage, Jesus lays out two different ways to be seen. Uh, The first is the way of performative spirituality, and the second is the way of authentic spirituality. So the way of performative spirituality and the way of authentic spirituality. So in this passage, uh, Jesus, kind of just to set it up before we jump in, um, he gives kind of three sections here that are all centered around these three common uh, practices that every religious person at the time would have done. Uh, in fact, there are, there are religious practices that every religious person nowadays does as well. Uh, he talks about uh, giving, like giving alms, giving money to the poor. Uh, he talks about praying, basically talking to God, and then fasting. And these are, you know, three practices that, that were common. And, and in kind of talking about each of these practices, he's setting up a contrast between performative spirituality on the one hand and authentic spirituality on the other, So as we look at performative spirituality and authentic spirituality, we're going to kind of ask for each of these, uh, what does it look like and what does it feel like? So what does performative spirituality look like and what does it feel like? So first off, let's consider this performative spirituality here. What does it look like? Uh, In the passage, if you were listening as uh, Joel was reading, uh, Jesus uses a word uh, three times here. He says, uh, he calls people hypocrites three times. Uh, and this is a word that we're pretty familiar with in our culture. Um, when I say hypocrite, uh, I imagine what comes to mind um, are any number of people who are trying to kind of project that they live a certain way, uh, when in reality they live a completely different way. Or maybe you think of like a big, you know, multinational, multi-billion company that like tries to project that it's ethical uh, when in fact they are like exploiting people in foreign countries, having them make stuff. Uh, we're, we're, con- we're kind of familiar with this idea of hypocrisy. Um, but the word that Jesus uses here for, for hypocrite, it was originally a term that described actors in the theater. Uh, so it, it described something that was kind of appropriate. It's appropriate for an actor in the theater to portray someone that they're not. That's what makes them a good actor. But what works in kind of the sphere of the theater is a terrible thing when it comes to spirituality. And that's what Jesus is critiquing here. Uh, So what does this look like? Let's just go through these kind of three categories that Jesus is talking through. Uh, What does it look like uh, to be performative in your spirituality as it comes to giving? Uh, Jesus says in verse two, uh, he says, it looks like sounding a trumpet before you as you give sounding a trumpet, as if to say, look at me, I'm giving. And then when we pray, he says, uh, in praying, it looks like standing and praying in the synagogues and streets in, in a very public way. And then when it comes to fasting, uh, fasting, which is just kind of foregoing food or, or something that you partake of normally in order to kind of have a better understanding of yourself and a better understanding of God, He says that performative spirituality in this way, it's looking gloomy. Like it's like kind of playing up how miserable you are. It's like we're kind of to imagine someone who has like a special like outfit that makes them look more miserable. And so they're like, oh, I'm fasting today. I'm going to pick that one, the all black one. That's kind of a little bit distressed. That's what I'm going to pick on the day that I'm fasting. So what we see here is that this performative spirituality on the front end it looks intensely religious, intensely religious. Uh, There's giving, there's praying, there's fasting. It checks all of the boxes. And even though Jesus is talking about it negatively here, it can kind of give us the appearance of like authentic spirituality. Like when you see someone who is doing all of the Christian things, it's easy to just assume, oh, well that person must actually be a Christian, right? But what might this look like, this sort of performative spirituality? What might it look like for us today? It might look like uh, always sharing the Bible verse of the day on Instagram every day. Uh, It might look like uh, screenshotting the fact that you have an unbroken 10-week quiet time streak on the Bible app. Have you guys seen that on the Bible app? It has that. Why is that on there? That should not be on there. Or maybe it might look like only listening to to Christian music and only reading the latest Christian books Uh, probably looks like publicizing that you're giving up coffee for Lent, and it's been really good for you, but it's so hard, right? (laughs) That's what performative spirituality looks like, but but what does it feel like? What does it feel like? Because it can actually look like authentic spirituality. So what does it feel like? Uh, Jesus tells you it it will feel, at times, good. Jesus says in this passage that uh, if you embrace this kind of performative, hypocritical way of doing things, you will get the praise of other people. People will see you. People will see what you're doing. They will see the squeaky clean exterior that you're presenting. You will get the praise of others. People are going to celebrate you. But the question needs to be asked is that really being seen in the way that we long for, that we talked about at the beginning? Uh, my old boss uh, told a story um, one time. So he was, my old boss was a, a very, like, let me like, encapsulate it this way. He wore like velvet jackets before it was cool. But this guy was really, really hip. And so he went to all of these really nice restaurants all of the time. And so he went to this one nice restaurant. Uh, And it was kind of like a, you know, five star farm to table, multiple course meal, the the type of place that you go to get like a chef's tasting menu. And so the chef like moves, like brings out all the food and then he just kind of visits around with each table and then he leaves. Like he doesn't even have to clean up. That's how good the chef is. He just gets out of there. And so my boss, uh, as the chef kind of came to his table, he was the last table the chef visited. And my boss uh, just asked him hey man, like where do you go when you leave here? Like what do you do after you just serve up this like amazing five-star meal? Uh, And the chef kind of looked at him a little bit sheepishly and says, well, I go to Waffle House. Uh, And if you're unfamiliar with Waffle House, it's uh, in most parts of the country, it's a really like trashy restaurant. (laughs) It's not very good. It's really cheap. So this five-star chef is going to Waffle House after he puts all of this effort into putting out a beautiful product. Y'all, this is what performative spirituality feels like. It feels like putting all of this effort into putting out an amazing, beautiful, flawless product and then binging on junk food after. It feels like being seen, but it's not really being seen. People are kind of, they're only seeing the facade that you're putting up. They're not seeing who you actually are. You see, people see the squeaky clean exterior and they praise you for it, but deep down, you know, if you're embracing this way of trying to get praise, deep down, you know, the real you is not the one they're praising. The real you is the one who is binging on spiritual junk food. That's what it feels like. Performative spirituality, it leaves us feeling like imposters. It leaves us scared to be honest when we don't know the answers. It leaves us scared to acknowledge when we've sinned. It leaves us anxiously trying to maintain an unmaintainable facade and gives us the illusion of being seen without actually being seen. So that's the way of performative spirituality. It gives us a little bit of what we're longing for. We kind of feel like we're being seen a little bit, but it doesn't really... It doesn't really give us what we want. So Jesus tells us, secondly, about the way of authentic spirituality. Authentic spirituality. Uh, so what does authentic spirituality look like? Uh, authentic, it's kind of a buzzword, right? Like, that's what everybody wants. We want to be authentic. We want to be true to who we are. And we think, when we think about spirituality, it can be tempting to think that to be authentic, to be an authentic Christian... Uh, means in some way kind of rejecting the the basic like institutions of the church or or prayer or reading the Bible or anything like that We, we kind of have this idea that those are hindrances to an authentic relationship with God but what i want to say is uh, when we look at this passage, uh, Jesus kind of actually says the exact opposite um, he doesn 't say if you pray, if you give.' Uh, if you fast, Jesus says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. You see, to be authentic in our spirituality, it doesn't mean rejecting religious devotion, it doesn't mean rejecting the church. Jesus is not advocating that everyone becomes spiritual but not religious. What Jesus is advocating, it's, it's deeply religious, but it's different. It's different. How is it different? Let's look at each of these spheres here. Uh, How is giving different in authentic spirituality? Uh, Jesus says in verses three and four, he says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right one is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Uh, What is Jesus saying there? He's saying essentially when you give, when you give to the poor, uh, when you give to people who need it, uh, you should give and don't really dwell on it that long. Give, and then don't think about it. Don't blow a trumpet and draw attention to yourself. Just give. And then with prayer, he says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Uh, Rather than going and praying on the corner to draw attention to yourself, Jesus says, I want you to go to a place where you will not be interrupted. I want you to go to a place where no one can see you, where there's no benefit to it other than the fact that you are Praying, pray in a closed room. And then fasting, he says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. So rather than kind of like making ourselves look miserable when we're fasting, rather than trying to draw attention to ourselves, uh, Jesus says to anoint your head and wash your face. Uh, This would have been a thing that everybody did every day. Um, they didn't take showers very often, so it would have been a normal thing to do at the beginning of the day is you anoint your head uh, to like kind of put some sort of like cologne-like thing on you to cover the smell, because again, not everybody showers, and you wash your face. So Jesus is saying, on a day of fasting, I want you to do what's normal. Don't draw attention to yourself. Look normal when you fast. So rather than making sure that we're seen by other people, Jesus encourages us to actively go in the opposite direction, to maybe even make sure that you're not seen. Jesus here, uh, the word secrecy and secret, it's repeated. And if you've been here uh, this semester, or maybe if you've just read uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you might be thinking that this sounds a little bit in conflict with what Jesus has said earlier. Uh, Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in Matthew 5, Uh, Jesus says that we are to let our light shine before others, so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. But here, it seems like he's saying the exact opposite. Why, Why is he saying that? Does Jesus not want us to have any sort of public devotion to him? I don't think that's true, uh, and there's many reasons for that. But one that I'll just say off the top, uh, the passage in the middle that we're not looking at here, so 6.7 through 6.15, is an instruction on what it looks like to pray together in worship, like in public. I don't think Jesus is encouraging us not to have any sort of public religious devotion. Rather, I think what Jesus is doing is he's exposing a tendency in our heart. And the tendency is this. We want to show up when we should be in the background, and we want to be in the background when we should show up. I'll say that again. We want to show up when we should be in the background, and we want to be in the background when we should show up. You see, to be a Christian, it's an undeniably public thing, but it's it's not public for the point of us just being seen. Look at how awesome we are. Look at the praise that I'm getting. Uh, the reason that being a Christian is a public thing, it's so that people can see the love of God the Father in us. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to display who God looks like. So that's what authentic spirituality looks like. It it, it also looks religious. Uh, it looks uh, private. It looks like it doesn't draw attention to itself. But but what does it feel like? What does authentic spirituality feel like? Uh authentic spirituality, it feels like being known and loved. It feels like being known and loved. If uh, hypocritical spirituality, performative spirituality, feels like serving up a five-star meal and then binging on junk food later, uh, on the opposite side, authentic spirituality, it it feels like being known and loved. Uh, We see in each case, after Jesus talks about giving, praying, and fasting, after he tells us what to do, he says, your father who sees in secret will reward you says that three times, that your father sees in secret. See, it feels like being seen by God. That's what authentic spirituality feels like. It feels like being seen as you actually are, not as a squeaky clean imposter who has everything together, but being seen for who you actually are, being seen as the person that you would rather not be seen as. That's who God sees you as. Uh, When I was in seminary, I was a uh, TA for my favorite professor. Uh, And this guy, like in my mind, could do no wrong. Uh, He was incredible. He was so brilliant. Uh, He was a professor of preaching, uh, which was like the subject that I was the most excited about in seminary. And so after my first year, he had approached me and asked if I would serve as a TA. uh, And I was just like over the moon. Like this was like dream come true. And so I served as a TA for the remainder of my time in seminary. Uh, in my last year of seminary, I, uh, it, was just, it was not a great year. I was overcommitted. Uh, I was constantly exhausted. And so I got extremely behind on grading. Uh, and so the format of this class was it was kind of like a rolling assignment that students did. They were working on this one assignment throughout the semester. And so I was supposed to give them feedback along the way so they could improve. Uh, and I just couldn't keep up with it. So it was actually hurting their in-class performance because I wasn't grading very well. Uh, And then this kind of all came to a head when we had like a TA meeting uh, once a week and I just like completely missed this TA meeting. And so I walk into the TA meeting like 15 minutes late because I realized, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be in this TA meeting. And so I'm like feeling that I haven't been grading well, like I'm feeling all of this shame I'm late for the meeting, which I like, I hate being late for stuff. And I show up and I just kind of try and sneak in the background of the meeting so that I wouldn't be seen, right? Uh, And then to my horror, uh, it just got deadly quiet as soon as I got in there. And there's, you know, a decent amount of people in there. And then I, you know, I'm looking down at my shoes because again, I don't want to be seen. I look up and my professor who like is amazing in my eyes is looking directly at me. (laughs) And so, I'm, you know, I'm late for the meeting. I've been doing a terrible job. He looks at me with his goofy smile on his face. And he says, Thomas, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. And it's just like, even talking about it right now, it's just like, oh, gosh. Like, it, it makes you feel so, like, uncomfortable on some level to be seen like that. See, that's what it's like. That's what authentic spirituality Feels like. See, in that moment when my professor looked at me, the imposter was dead. Like, I could not project anything. I, could, I knew I couldn't perform. He knew I couldn't perform. He didn't care. He just appreciated me for who I was. You see, this is what it feels like. It feels like to be seen by God as we are, to know deeply in our bones that God loves us as we are, not as we think we should be. So authentic spirituality, it goes to the secret places and it's characterized by being known and loved by God. Uh, Rather than anxiously trying to keep up a facade, we can live under God's fatherly gaze, under his smile. So again, in this passage, Jesus has been talking about this longing that we all have to be seen. This longing to be seen. And he he shows that he's shown us these two ways the way of performative spirituality. And the way of authentic spirituality. And I think something that's important to kind of uh, a note as we close here is that what Jesus doesn't do with this question, with this longing that we have, this longing to be seen, he doesn't shame us for it. He doesn't say that that's not a good thing to want. Jesus doesn't throw it right back in our face. Uh, actually, he directs us to the proper channel, he directs us to the Father's gaze. He directs us to God the Father who sees us as we are. This is where we can truly be seen. But I think maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, uh, how can I know that when God looks at me, it'll be a good thing? How can I know that when God looks at me, it won't be a look of disappointment? It won't be a look of anger. It won't be a look of disgust. Because we've seen that we, we embrace this performative spirituality because we, we long to be seen. We long to be seen, but we're terrified of being seen as we actually are. So we project stuff that we're not. We travel down the path of performative spirituality again and again. How can we trust that when God looks at us, it's with a gaze of delight? Uh, there's an NBA player. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Dickie Simpkins. Anyone? Dickie Simpkins? Exactly, that's what I thought. Uh, Dickie Simpkins played for the Chicago Bulls from 1996 to 1998, uh, and he won three NBA championships. But in the playoffs, in all three of those years, Dickie Simpkins had zero points, zero assists, zero blocks, and zero steals. And the reason is because he played zero minutes. And yet, when you look at Dickie Simpkins, when you look up his Wikipedia page, you will see three-time NBA champion. Why? Well, because of a couple guys on his team, uh, one named Michael Jordan you might have heard of, another named Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. You see, Dickie Simpkins, he is looked at as an NBA champion because of work that he did not do. And in the same way, God looks at us with a gaze of delight because of work that we did not do. He looks at us with a gaze of delight because of the work of Jesus. You see, we can be confident that God looks at us with delight because Jesus has suffered in our place. The, uh, one of my favorite hymns says, uh, upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I have not died, another's life another's death, I stake my whole eternity. That's what the Christian life is. It's to live upon a life that you haven't actually lived. It's to go all in on Jesus in your place. You see, when we place our faith in Jesus, he takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. And because of Jesus, when God gazes at you, he doesn't see your shame. He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see the anxious ways you try to perform. He sees his child. He sees one that he delights in, one that he loves. And when this sinks in our, our performance, it, it loses its appeal, because we don't have to perform. See, because of Jesus' substitutionary work, we can come to God as our authentic selves. We can come as we are. We can seek God in secret places. We can seek God when it won't give us the praise of people. Uh, We can seek God when it's going to make us enemies. We can come to God not with our resumes, but with our wounds and with our sin. We can come to God as our father and not as our employer. Friends, because of the work of Jesus, we can know God as father. We can know that when he looks at us, it is with a gaze of delight. Amen. (laughs)